Morning. My microphone's on. They're still sleeping up there after that video. Um, anyways, we're starting. So if you want to stand up and sing with us, we've done this one a long time. Stand up and sing with us this morning. Prisoners, now 
forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Good morning. It's my honor to welcome you to the house of the Lord. As we've gathered here today, we have the incredible privilege to worship the Lord. And I want to welcome you here today, especially if you're visiting with us. We're so honored to have you here and encourage you just, as I say a lot of times, just make yourself at home. We're just a bunch of normal people. Uh, and uh, we, I hope that you've received a warm welcome already. But if you are visiting, please take a minute and fill out the guest card either in your bulletin, scan the QR code. We would just like to know who you are, how we can answer any questions that you have, serve you better. So please take a minute to do that, and please stop by our guest table in the lobby and pick up a guest bag before you leave. I want to read from John chapter 8, kind of a theme verse for the week. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And today as we've gathered, I hope that we can lift up the name of Jesus, that we can lift up the light of the world because he is worthy of our praise and he is the one that all of us need no matter where we find ourselves today. So take just a minute, welcome your neighbor to the service, and then let's join our hearts together in worship.
As uh, we come to this time of prayer, um, we would like to focus this morning's prayer time on VBS. As you know, uh, we uh, if you look in our budget, we put a lot of money toward this week. We'll have, and I've shared this with you a lot, we'll have more visitors on this campus this week than probably any other time of the year. We'll have more people volunteering this week than any other time of the year. I think we have 140 volunteers who have signed up to serve this week from Sunday through uh, Thursday night, and you are our missionaries this year. So what I'd like to do at this prayer time is ask everyone that's serving in BBS, if you will, come to the front as the praise team leads us in the song, and then we're going to pray for you guys um, and commission you to be our missionaries for the week. So as they lead us in this time of prayer, if you will, everybody working in BBS, meet me here at this altar, if you will, please. Thank you so much. blessing let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise of all these folks that are serving this week as your pastor I want to thank you so much for taking out of your time to serve this week and I pray that God will use you to reach a young person with the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, one thing God has called us to do and I'll share this in my sermon this morning is to love people all people You'll have children that'll come from two-parent homes. Some children will come from a one-parent home. Some children will come who are raised by their grandparents, okay? You'll, you'll have children that'll come who'll they'll, they'll pull up in nice cars, and then some children don't even, parents may not even have, have a car, okay? We're going to love all people this week, amen? And our one goal, as Kevin talked about from the Gospel of John, is to shine the light and the love of Jesus, all right? Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, I want to thank you for these volunteers. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and use them, Lord, to love people, to honor people, Lord, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with every child that's here this week. Father, I pray that you would save children and middle schoolers for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I pray for parents that will be on this campus this week. Father, we have about 11,000 people in Alexander County who have no affiliation with the church. Father, I pray that many of them would come this week and that, Lord, they would be um, captivated by the love of Jesus shown through his people. Father, these are your missionaries this week. And I pray that you'd use them for your honor and for your glory. I pray that you would encourage. Lord, I want to thank you for all the leadership that's taken part so far in VBS. Encourage them as well. And Father, help us to love people by sharing the truth with a lost and dying world. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much, Caitlin. Are we not blessed here with great musicians? Thank you guys for singing and using your gifts and talents for the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter um, chapter 2 and stand with me. We're going to read verses 13 through 17. We're going to focus on verses 16 through 17. The title of the message is Set Free. If you're saved, you're set free. Peter, Peter had been talking about our submission to government. And then when he comes down to verse 16, some translations say this, act as free men or act as free people. Okay? And then notice what he says. We'll start in verse 13. It says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers or for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Then he says this, as free. So if you're born again today, you're free. You're free from some things and free to do some things. And then he says this, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice. And what Peter is saying is this, even though you're free from the penalty of sin, even though you're free from, from the, the guilt that comes with that, do not use your freedom as an excuse to sin because sometimes people do that. Okay? And then he says this, but as bondservants, so if I'm free, how am I a bondservant? Don't make sense, does it? But you are. He says, as bondservants, and then he makes this statement, honor all people, saved and lost. Honor all people. You should show respect to all people. You're no better than anybody else. Amen? You should never look down on another person ever in your life. You should not, especially if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Especially if you represent him and East Hills of Baptist Church, you of all people should never look down on anybody else. You're no better than anybody else. Amen? Honor all people, regardless of their state or status in life. You're to show respect to all people. And then he says this, love the brotherhood. That means as a church, you should love each other. We should love the church in general and Christians in general, but you especially should love each other, should we not? And then he says this, fear God. He says, honor the king, and we've already talked about that, but the last two words he says is this, fear God, which means this, I should show incredible respect, reverence, and a holy desire to please the God of the universe. A lot of things in two verses. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I want to thank you for saving Peter and inspiring him to write this uh, epistle. Father, it's been so challenging and um, convicting to me as a, as a, just as a person and as a pastor. And Father, help us as a church to walk in freedom, but also be reminded that you're our Lord and Master. And Father, help us to show great respect for everyone, but especially to love each other and to reverence you and worship you and give our lives to you and place you first in our life. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. And Holy Spirit, we're at your mercy today. I pray that you would convict. I pray that if anyone's lost, that through, through your word and through the Holy Spirit, that you would draw people to yourself, grant repentance and save. And Father, um, encourage us, Lord, to live out our freedom, but also to understand that you're our master 
And if that's the case, then Lord, we can, we can truly fear you with our lives. And we just want to tell you once again how much we love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. First point is very simple. It's I am free. Notice what Peter says. He says, as free, as free. J.C. Ryle said this about our freedom. The freedom of Christ's people has been procured like all other freedom at a mighty cost and by a mighty sacrifice. Great was the bondage in which we were naturally held and great was the price necessary to set us free. Mighty was the enemy who claimed us as captives, and it needed mighty power to release us out of his hands. But blessed be God, there was grace enough and power enough in Christ Jesus. The price that was paid for your freedom, as Peter's already said, was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus on the cross satisfied every possible demand of the law against us by fulfilling this righteousness. He cleared us from every imputation of sin by becoming sin for us. One scholar put it this way, let us hold firmly to this mighty truth that on the cross, listen to what Jesus did. This, this, this purchased your freedom. He stood in the place of his people, died for his people, suffered for his people, was counted a curse and sin for his people, paid the debts of his people, made restitution for his people, became the guarantee of his people, became the representative of his people, and in this way, Christ obtained his people's freedom. You're free. Isn't that a blessing? You're free from the penalty that comes from sin. Now listen, Christians are free from the penalty that comes with sin for all time. Which means this, if you're not a born-again Christian today, that you are guilty before God. Somebody said one time, we were, we were in evangelism class, and he said, what do you tell a person that is wealthy, has a good marriage, good kids, life is good, their health is good, what do you tell them to point them to Jesus? I said, you just share the gospel. That even though you're, you're wealthy and healthy and you have all these things in place, you've sinned against the holy God and the penalty for that sin is eternal hell and damnation for eternity. That's what you tell them. I didn't get saved because Jesus was going to give me a better life. Sure didn't. I got, I got saved because I was guilty before God. And that penalty brings guilt. So every person apart from Christ is guilty, but if you've been saved, you've been set free from that. You've been set free from that fact. You're also free from the power of sin. Jesus said this, He who sins is a slave to sin. But those who have been set free are free from the power of sin. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, said, Having been freed from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Paul, also sharing his testimony in Acts 26, said, At one time, sin was my master. You lived according to the flesh. Every desire of your heart was to please your flesh because you were a slave to sin. And he says, I was under the domain of Satan. Writing to the church at Corinth, he said this to the church. He said, And remember, if you were a slave when Christ called you, the Lord has now set you free from the awful power of sin. You are now a slave to Christ. I like what Bethel Colony of Mercy says whenever people go there for uh, either drug or alcohol treatment. They say, we're not a rehab center, we're a transformation place. Because if people have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, God can free them from the, from the slavery that sin brings. Not only that, but the Bible says you're free from other people's opinions. 
J.C. Ryle said this, You are free from the need to care about other people's opinions of you because you seek to please Jesus. The Bible also says that you've been set free from the fear of death. That's why Paul could say this, Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sin? He went on to tell the church at Corinth, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since you have seen temp- what, what you see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. David said this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, because he was set free from the fear of death. And this freedom for Christians is eternal. The freest people on earth, without Christ, their freedom ends at the grave. Your freedom is eternal. Notice what Jesus says in John 8. He makes this statement. He says, then Jesus said to those Jews, now look, who believed him. He said, so you say you believe in me. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Notice the word truth. Notice the word faith. Notice the word word, which means this. See, your freedom is eternal. Okay, The Bible says that you're justified by faith, and that gives us peace with God. That, that justification is eternal. That means that you'll never be declared guilty. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So if I'm born again, it's because I placed my faith in Jesus, right? It's not because of my good works. It's not because I'm a preacher. It's not because I I know so many Bible verses. It's not because I've been baptized. It's what Jesus is telling these disciples. It's not. And after I get saved, my salvation is not based on my works either. See, a lot of people think after you're saved, your salvation is based on your works. I'll have a lot of people come to me and they'll say, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I'm saved. And I'll say, why? Well, I did this, 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 and this. And I said, so? You did? You did that? That don't have anything to do with your salvation. Your salvation is in faith in Him, right? And I'll ask them, what are, who are you trusting in right now for your salvation? And they'll say, Jesus. I'll say, well, you're saved. See, Jesus said this to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word. See, the benchmark that Jesus uses is, what is your faith in now? See, I placed my faith in Jesus on October 30th, 1990 at about 7.30 p.m., an exact mile from where I'm standing. But I'm saved today because my faith is in Jesus now still. It's still in Jesus I don't base my salvation on how well I did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. See, my good works can't save me. My good works don't keep me saved. Aren't you thankful? We should thank God for that. Aren't you thankful that your performance does not keep you saved, but your faith in Jesus does, right? And and what gets me sometimes, especially in the Bible Belt, is we'll base so much on people's behavior And salvation is based on who do you place your faith in. He says the truth is in your mind shall set you free. The truth. What is your faith in? Jesus told these disciples, now it's not a one-time decision. Then Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you abide in my word. What is your faith in now? What is your faith in now? I think Jesus was looking at these guys kind of like we can be sometimes. On Wednesday night, we're going through a the series question and answers 
And Wednesday night, we looked at natural disasters, okay? And we looked at some of the worst natural disasters in history, okay? The worst one, 3.9 million people died. Can you imagine it? In a day or a week. That's, that's unbelievable. In one area, uh, a huge area, 3.9 million people. Where was God when that happened? Was, is God sovereign? Is God in control of the weather? Did God allow it to happen? Is God just sitting back letting things happen? Well, your theology is one or the other. But through that study, we, we talked about this. Isn't it something how we'll pray when a storm hits? Jesus, I believe you can do all things. Jesus, you're this. Jesus, you're that. But then when the sun comes out, do you still look to Jesus? See, a lot of people have a storm faith, but they don't have a sunshiny day faith, right? Jesus said this, if you abide in my word, you're my disciple. See, the key to it all is your endurance and your faith in Jesus, not in yourself. A lot of people are claiming themselves as a savior of their life because they did, they did X, Y, and Z. They came to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They, did all, they checked all the boxes, but is your faith in Jesus today? If your faith is in Jesus, you're free. And then what Peter says, Michael, go back to that first verse that we showed. Jesus said, Peter says this, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice. As a Christian, believe it or not, in the Bible Belt, you may not hear a lot about it, but you have a lot of liberty as a Christian. A lot of liberty. If God does not call it a sin, it is not a what? A sin. It's not. It's just not. I don't preach my convictions to you as... as uh, as the law. I just don't. I got convictions. They're different than yours. You may eat certain foods I don't. You may do certain things that I don't. But I don't mean it's a sin, right? If the Bible doesn't say it's a sin, it's not a... If the Bible doesn't say it's a sin, it's not a what? A sin. I have liberty. Okay? And what Peter is telling his readers is this, and us today. Even though you have freedom in certain areas... Don't use that as a reason or a cloak or a covering to do sin. One scholar put it this way. He said this. He, says, he said, William McDonald says, The cause of Christ is never advanced by evil masquerading in religious clothes. William Barclay said, Any great Christian doctrine can be perverted into an excuse for evil. The doctrine of grace can be perverted into an excuse for sinning into one's to one's heart's content, the doctrine of the love of God can be sentimentalized into an excuse for breaking his law. He says this, there is no doctrine so easy to pervert as that of Christian freedom. You have freedom. But don't use that as an excuse to sin. I'm talking about sin. Paul writing to the church at Galatia says this, you have been called to liberty, but don't use that liberty as an occasion, as an occasion for the flesh to do as it will. See, in... in when Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he wrote about the Lord's return. And he says, some of you are so caught up in this doctrine that you don't even work anymore because you're waiting on Jesus to come back. Now imagine this, we're in Alexander County, and you see some guy with a sign that says, I'm not working, I'm waiting on Jesus, give me some food. What are you going to do with that guy? Okay, you're going to give him food. Now look, you know what the Bible says? This is what the Bible says. If that guy don't work, don't feed him. See, a whole bunch of people use the excuse. I remember one time we had some people living on our property. Okay, I won't go into all the details, right? I mean, they were living on our property. I was having my hair cut. This side of my head was cut. Chris Bowman calls. 
And I went, oh, no, I better get this. And I said, yes. He said, there's people living on your property. And I just laughed. He says, no, they're living here. They got a refrigerator. Got direct, they got a DVD player, blah, 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 blah. I said, I'll be there as soon as my hair gets done being cut. So I go out there, and I, I talked to the one guy, and I said, listen, why are you living here? And he says, well, it's against, sir, it's against my religion to work. And I said, well, that's good. It's against my religion to feed you, right? Because if a man won't work, neither shall he eat. And what they were doing in Paul's day is this, because they talked about the Lord's return. Well, Jesus is coming back. I'm just not going to work. Paul says, don't feed those people. See, you can use your liberty as a cloak for vice. Do not use your liberty, okay? You're free in these areas. That don't mean you always flaunt that freedom around everybody. Paul says if you have a weaker brother, respect that weaker brother's weakness in front of him and don't use your liberty to stomp all over this guy. Don't do it. When I don't preach, when I don't, if I ever preach in another church out of respect for that church, a lot of times I'll use a King James Bible because why do I want to argue over a Bible translation, right? No reason. It's a great translation. One of the greatest gifts to the modern world was the King James Bible. One of the greatest things that ever happened to the world was the King James Bible. So why would I use my freedom with Bible translations to hurt somebody else? I would never do that, right? Now, some of you have, have liberty in other areas. And I would, I, would, I would encourage you to be an adult with your liberty. Amen? Just be an adult. What you do in your home, you may not want to do in public. Because other people are weaker than you. And show respect to other people. Don't use your freedom all right, as a cloak for vice. The second thing is this. Not only are you free, but the Bible says this. You are a slave. Doesn't make sense. Unless you're a Christian, notice what he says. As free, but as a bond servant of God. Look at the word bond servant. That's one of the lowest, that's the lowest of the low in the Greco-Roman world. There were 60 million slaves. Listen, this world was so stigmatized that even Bible translators would not translate it in a lot of portions of Scripture that we have as slave. They use the word servant. Most of the time when you see the word servant, it should be the word slave. It changes the whole idea of that passage. The reason they did that was because the word slave was thought of as something so bad. But the word doulos is never used as a servant in the Greek. One scholar put it this way, the idea of servanthood maintains some level of self-autonomy and personal rights. Slaves, on the other hand, have no freedom, autonomy, or rights. In the Greco-Roman world, slaves were considered property to the point that in the eyes of the law, they were regarded as things rather than persons. Paul does, Peter does not say that you're free and then you're a servant of God. He says you're a bond servant or a slave of God. To be a Christian is to be a slave. Moses called himself a slave of God. Joshua called himself a slave of God. David called himself a slave of God. Paul, in four different books of the Bible, called himself a slave of God. Peter, in his second epistle, calls himself a slave of God. James and Jude, the Lord's brothers, called themselves slaves of God. And then most of the minor prophets called themselves slaves of God. Listen to what the book of Revelation says when translated correctly. It says that at the beginning of the book and the end of the book, we're told that this revelation was given by God, and I quote, to show his slaves what must quickly take place. Revelation 22, 3 and 4, it says, And there was no longer any curse, there will no longer be any curse in that day, 
The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his slaves will serve him. They shall see his face, and his name will be on their forehead. Jesus uses this slave language when describing his disciples and discipleship, often in the parables. That word servant really should be translated slave because you have a master-slave relationship. Paul told Titus that we are a people for his own possession. Jesus is called our master in heaven in Colossians 4.1. And some characteristics of slaves in that day and characteristics of Christian slaves is this. We have complete submission to our master. He is my master. Now think about that. It's not normal for a man, a grown man, to call somebody your master, right? I don't like anybody telling me what to do, right? I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Who do you think you are? Okay? But Jesus Christ is my master. Jesus is Lord, which means master. That means that I am to be in complete submission to the will of him. That's why Jesus said this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me master, master? And you don't do what I tell you. That's convict, that was convicting to me as a young person. Now, I made decent grades in school, so I can read English, right? And when I read that, I thought to myself, Jesus was talking to his disciples, but would he not be correctly asking me the same thing? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you raise your hands and worship? Why do you go to the altar and pray all the time? But when I tell you to do simple little things like serve me, you won't do it. I would be super convicted in church. Because when I read that, I felt like God was talking to Jamie Steele. It didn't matter what the person to the right or left of me was thinking. Jesus was speaking to me. Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I tell you? Let me ask you a question. Why do you call him Lord, yet you don't do what he asked you to do? The greatest thing you can do today as, as, as a, a slave of Christ is to repent Confess your sin to the master and say from this day forward as best I can. This is what I tell Jesus. Jesus says, best I can, I'm going to do what you tell me as best I can. I'm going to fight the flesh and I'm going to say yes to whatever you tell me. Would you be willing today as a slave of Christ, if he is your Lord, to just say yes to Jesus? Oh, what a difference it will make in your life if you just say yes to him. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do what I tell you. Are you in complete submission to him? One scholar put it this way. Our service to God is fundamentally transformed from the usual slave-master relationship because this master, our master, supplies everything this slave needs and is not served by the slave as though he needed anything. We don't serve God because he needs it. God is the giver in this relationship, and we're the receiver and the beneficiary. Paul put it this way. Or Peter put it this way, whoever serves, whoever serves, Peter says, let him serve by the strength that God supplies. So I'm going to say yes to Jesus, and he's going to supply all my strength. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus. See, that means I have a total dependence on my master. All a slave has, his master provides. Paul called himself a slave of Christ. And he had given up everything in order to serve his master. And this is what he got him. He had repeatedly been beaten, imprisoned, endangered, and threatened with death over and over again. Yet he would tell the church at Philippi this, From jail, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplications, let your requests be known to God. You know what he's saying? Your master will take care of your needs. He goes on to say this. 
He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then he based a lifetime of trusting his master and contentment on this verse. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. So if Jesus is your master, you have complete submission to his will and to his word. You have total dependence on him to supply everything you need. See, when I was sitting here this morning, I've been called to preach. That's all I can do. I don't know if I can do anything else now. But I basically pray this before I go up there. Lord, you called me to do this. You better help me. <laughs> you called me to do it. You better help me. Do you know how many times I've prayed that prayer? Thousands. Because I know my limitations. I know them. I know everything about me. I know, I know how I learn, how I don't learn, how I can understand things, how I can't understand things. And I say, Holy Spirit, through God's grace, I submit to you this morning. And if you don't help, we ain't got no help this morning. Are you that dependent on him? You, you'll never understand true freedom in Christ until he's your master and you depend everything on him. There you go, okay? Everything on him. I got you, Lord. I'm going back up here. Listen, total dependence on Jesus is such a freedom where you say, God, just do it. Just do it. If he's your master, submit to his word and his will and then just depend on him to do it. Just depend on him to do it. Do you trust him? I say that often. Do you, tr do you really trust him? Do you really trust him? Then trust him. And then that leads to the third thing a slave and master relationship is this. Listen. Total or personal accountability. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Corinth. He makes this statement. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, talking to Christians, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he's done. You know what that judgment's going to be about? Okay, I'm your Lord. Number one, did you do what I asked you to do, not what he asked me to do? Okay. Number two, did you depend on me to help you do it? And then number three, did you really trust me? Now listen, that is a question you've got to answer this morning. Oh, you really tr you can trust me for your soul, but you can't trust me for your Saturdays? See, that's, that's, that's the position I got into as a young 20-something-year-old married guy. Do I really trust God? Working, had young kids, go into the ministry? Are you kidding me? Give up my job? Where there's safety and security to go into. I'm not, I'm not talking about he didn't call me to go to Africa. He just called me to be a minister. And then finally I said, God, I just trust you. I just trust you. I don't know where this is going to end up. I'm not, I don't even like speaking publicly, but I'm going to trust you. Hey, listen, just trust him this morning. Amen. And then if you do that, you should do this. Point number three, love and honor all people. Notice the verse. This is real simple. Honor all people. That means to show value and worth to everybody. Everybody. Show value and worth to all people. I remember I was a young Christian and I was in this uh, revival thing with some really well-known preachers. You'd probably know some of them. And had the opportunity to go eat, eat with them after the service. And I remember the waitress come up and she was very uh, busy, right? And one of the guys in our group basically said, is this all you want to do for the rest of your life? Just wait on tables? Is that all you want? And it was really embarrassing for me to be with this guy. I mean, I'm a young Christian. I didn't know nothing. But I knew better than to treat somebody like that. Left her a $2 tip. 
driving a really nice car. I know how much the dude's tie cost. Left a $2 tip. And I thought, Lord, I may not be at this guy's level, but I hope I don't treat this, this person made in your image like this guy did. Don't ever treat people like that. Some of you are going to leave church today, okay, and you're going to go eat somewhere. You treat your server with respect, all right? You treat them with respect. You know that Sunday crowds sometimes, and, and the stats say, are some of the worst times for waiters and waitresses because the church crowd shows up. Worship Jesus, but if you don't get my food out on time, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Isn't that sad? Okay? Honor all people. And then you love the brotherhood. That, that, what that means is you're generous, you're kind, you're benevolent, you're forgiving, you're long-suffering, you care for, you wish the best for. Don't you wish the best for people? When I see somebody from this church and something good's happened to them, I'm, I'm just so thankful. No jealousy on my end, none. I wish the best for you, okay? I wish the absolute best for you. And the Bible, that's why the Bible says when you mourn with those who mourn, right, because they're your family. Love the brotherhood. Love them. We should love each other. This should be the most safe, secure, loving place in Alexander County, in my opinion. We should be, and you are. You are, and thank you for that. The final thing is this, fear God. That word just basically means this, to show respect, to show, show honor, to prioritize God in your life. Listen, if you're not sure who comes first in your life, then God's not first. You can be a Christian and that not be the case. If you're not sure who's number one in your life, then God's not first. James put it this way, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You only got one. If you fear God, you place him first. David said this in Psalm 128, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. Solomon put it this way, He who walks in uprightness fears the Lord. The beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You have great respect and honor and reverence for who God is. That's why you worship. You worship, and that's why you serve Him, because you have great fear. Are you afraid of anybody? Think about that for a moment. I'm talking about fear. Does anybody bring you fear? Fear, a person. A person. Is there anybody that, that brings this kind of dread to you? Right? Jesus said in his day, he was sending his disciples out two by two. And he says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Think about that. These are the Lord's ways. He wasn't playing. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. You're going to talk to Jewish people and you're going to tell them that their way is wrong and that the gospel is the truth. Imagine doing that today in a Muslim country. I'm sending you. He said, but he said this. Notice what he says. He says, do not fear those who can kill the body. What? Don't fear those people. Fear. Don't you fear those people that are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. What a word from Jesus. Fear him. I'm amazed that the lost world shows so little respect and reverence for who God is. You realize, think about this for a moment, that when Jesus says this, when Jesus talks about hell, he does not only reference hell, he describes it in great detail. He talks more about hell than he does about heaven. He called it a place of eternal torment. 
He called it a place of unquenchable fire. He said it's a place where the worm does not die. He says it's a place where, pe a place where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret. He said it's a place from where there is no return. He said it's a place where those in hell want you to warn other people not to come. It's a place called outer darkness. He compared hell to Gehenna, which was a trash dump outside the walls of Jerusalem where rubbish was burned and maggots abounded. Jesus talks about hell more than he talks about heaven and describes it more vividly. There's no denying that Jesus knew, believed, and warned about the absolute reality of hell. Jesus has to talk about hell because it is the fate that awaits all people apart from him. Think about that for a moment. Today, you're either free in Christ or you're bound for hell. Think about that for a moment. Everybody has choices in life, don't they? You have a choice this morning to surrender your life to Jesus or to say no. And that choice has eternal consequences. It has eternal consequences. Has there ever come a time in your life when you placed your faith in Jesus? You're left with two options to stay in your state of depravity and to be eternally punished or submit to the Savior and accept his gift of redemption. That choice this morning is yours. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as our musicians come with every head bowed and every eye closed in just the quietness of this moment. If you will be in an attitude of prayer with me, and I ask you this question, are you free this morning? Are you free? Has Jesus Christ set you free? If not, I would encourage you in the quietness of this moment to place your faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the Lord will be saved. As a free Christian, have you submitted yourself to Jesus' will? Are you dependent on Jesus to accomplish that will? Or now are, you, are you satisfied that if Jesus came back today that you would stand before him and you could rightly stand before him and say, Jesus, I've done all that I could do. I've done all that I could do. If not, I would encourage you today to submit yourself to the will of the Father. And then to show great respect to the God of the universe by prioritizing him and placing him first. After I pray, Sharon is going to lead us in a song and this altar is open for you this morning. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, with freedom comes great responsibility. It's great responsibility for me and for all who claim to be Christians. And Lord, I pray that we would submit you and to your will. And Lord, to be so dependent on you. Father, I pray if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, that today would be their day of salvation. That they would realize that they're guilty before you, that they've broken your law, that Jesus Christ is their only hope for salvation. And Lord, save for your honor and for your glory. And Father, help us as a church to respect all people and to love each other. In that and only that, you'll be forever glorified, Father. This is your time and these are your people, and I pray that this invitation will bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning.
Justin has a few uh, announcements about BBS. Just real quick, um, 445 in here, all the volunteers will have a quick meeting. Uh, last minute questions you might have, you'll get your lanyards, find out where you're going to be serving if you don't already know that, and then we'll pray over all these seats. Uh, if you haven't got your t-shirt yet, when you go leave today, go out into the fellowship hall, you can get your t-shirt there um, from Miss Alyssa. And uh, if you haven't registered your students yet, go ahead and get those registered this afternoon, if you will. That'll help us out tremendously as far as being able to somewhat start on time tonight at 6 o'clock. So uh, pre-register all we can, and that'll help us out tremendously. But thank you so much in advance. I know it's going to be a long week, and you guys are going to work all day and then come here and continue to go. So just, just want to pray for you guys. And um, just we understand that this is impossible without you. Uh, so thank you so much for serving in advance. And uh, so, yeah, see you at 445, and go get your T-shirts if you don't have them, and pre-register those kids. God bless you. Thank you. You're dismissed.